Lance Hurl, and this is Ask Your Bishop podcast, where we examine biblical teachings and contrast them against the teachings of the Mormon Church. Each examination ends with a series of questions that no Mormon bishop can answer because of the conflicts and contrasts in their own doctrine. This is part two of In the Beginning God, where we look at what the Bible says about God, what God has actually said about God and what the Mormon Church teaches. Have you ever longed for a better way to reach out to your Mormon friends and neighbors? A way that could share the gospel with them without causing offense? You see, so many people try, and so often, the more they try, the more people's minds are closed. As a married couple, Lance and Grace spent 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness of Mormonism. During that time, they served the church in high levels faithfully. What they didn't know then is that God was preparing them so that they might come to you and share ways and insights on how to reach out to your Mormon friends and neighbors in a way that won't cause offense. So according to Joseph Smith, Jesus, who in fact, came to fulfill the law and provide grace that we might be saved, actually became a more demanding law, a more demanding law that no man can keep because no man can even list its parts, and therefore, it cannot save anyone. Now, my best understanding of the Mormon God when, when I was a Mormon was that he was a weak, mortal, sinful wretch as I am now that I could, by obeying the laws and ordinances of the Mormon gospel, be perfected and exalted and become equal to God in every way. Oh my gosh, the arrogance of this. The, I just said, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a Mormon swear word. That's a, that's a holdout from, uh, from my 60 years. Some things just stick. But, but this is crazy to think that I could become as God is now, that I could rise up to his level. And then even through the, through the process of, of eternal progression, which is something they teach, that, that we will eternally progress, even as our God now is eternally progressing. And so God is not yet now what he will be someday, and we can grow to the point where we're equal to what he is today, and then progress beyond that point, becoming more godlike, more perfect, more full of wisdom and light and glory than our God today he even has. Now, the problem that I had is... Even though I, I really did love the church, I wanted to be a faithful member. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to live my life as a true follower of Joseph Smith, a true representative of the church. I wanted to be all that Mormonism is, but Mormon's doctrine just just shut me down. Consider this passage. This is from Doctrine and Covenants. It's section 25, verse 15, and it says, Keep the commandments continually, and a crown of righteousness thou shalt receive. And except thou do this, where I am, you cannot come. So the only hope, the only hope I had of becoming like God and going to be where God is, is perfect obedience to every commandment. Now who does that? 
It's crazy because when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He gave the first, which is to love God, and he gave the second, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as we retire at the end of the day, no matter where we live, no matter our location, no matter the people that are around us, there is somebody within a few short miles that goes to bed hungry, that goes to bed not having enough. And so when we retire with our plenty and let them retire with their need and their want and their ache, are we loving them as we love ourselves? Are we caring for them as we care for ourselves? You see, every day we violate the commandments of God. And so as a Mormon, my life, well, it just kind of droned on in a constant state of hopeful hopelessness or hopeless hopefulness. I I don't know. (laughs) One of those, maybe both of those. At any rate, I was a confused mess while trying to worship the small God of Mormonism. And amid it all, there were passages of real scripture that shook all I claimed to know, left me without any place to stand. One is 1 Corinthians 14. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And I had nothing but confusion because I had requirements that I couldn't live and and the promise of God that I could. And, And as he told Nephi, he gives no commandment to the children of men, lest he prepare a way that they might follow it. And so, according to that scripture, God had prepared a way that I can follow every commandment, and yet I didn't. And day after day and year after year, my life was a mess because I didn't keep the commandments which God said I should and easily could keep. So for me, Mormon doctrine was an unresolvable collection of confusion. But today, I live, I thrive, and I have peace with God. It is an amazing thing to know that I have peace with God. In the Bible, I find harmony without contradiction or confusion. And because of the Bible, I know that I will never become a God as Joseph Smith taught. I know that Isaiah 43.10 teaches me that there were no gods created before God and none will be created afterward. Therefore, I cannot be made into a God. Simple as that. And... And this is such a a great and a marvelous thing. You see, I have this assurance. I have an assurance that I will live eternally with God that I have even today. And I know that I have even today eternal life. Let's read the words of John. This is from 1 John 5, verse 13. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe in the name of the Son of God. You see, that is a present tense promise. Right now, I have eternal life. I have eternal life because I have the Son, and I can know it with a surety, with a firm knowledge that I have eternal life. And how do I know that I can know? Because God said so. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, and I cling to that. That has become everything to me, knowing, knowing that now, even in this moment, I have eternal life. 
I have to take a minute and and share something interesting that happened. My bishop and stake president stopped by, and after a few minutes of chit-chat, they said, well, we've come to invite you to come back to the church. And I said, yes, right on. Let's do it. I'm so excited because if the church is true, I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Let's do it. And they said, oh, great. So I said, here's the, here's the deal. Where will you go when you die? I asked the stake president, and he shook his head, and he said, I don't yet know. I have to wait for the judgment. And I said, wow. And I opened my Bible to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, and I showed him how I can know right now in this moment, in this instant, in this hour, that I have eternal life. And I said, I will return to the Mormon church. I'll race you to the font. I'll beat you. I'll dive in head first. Just jump in behind me and say the prayer. I will come back if, if you can show me a promise from Mormon scripture (laughs) that is as good or better than 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. I think they got a little bit excited. They said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we can, yeah, well, sure we can do that. I said, okay, but remember, God is not the author of confusion, and therefore, whatever assurance you bring me, I will accept it if it cannot be contradicted by other equally binding Mormon scripture or doctrine. And they said, oh, oh. They said, can you give us a week? I said, sure, absolutely, yes. Well, that was in the summer of 2020. Now, right now, it's the early months of fall, 2022, and neither that bishop or that stake president have returned with their better assurance. Do you want to know why? They have no assurance that is equal or better. And if they can find a scripture that says they do, I will show them a scripture that says your first scripture is invalidated. And because there is confusion... Your God is invalidated because the true God is not the author of confusion. The first line of Genesis and John establish and fulfill the purpose of the Old and New Covenants. You see, in Genesis, we see the sovereign exclusivity of God. In the beginning, God sets the scene for the Old Covenant, for the introduction of Jesus, our Lord. As we continue to read, we see the promise of the coming Messiah, and we receive a certainty of hope and rescue from evil that lives in us, that that very evil that haunts us. We have a promise of hope. In the first verses of Genesis, we see God who faithfully extends the hope of reconciliation to all men. As we continue our study in the Old Testament, we will see with growing clarity a picture of Jesus who is to come. We will see evidence of the God our Mormon friends never knew. By God's grace, may they someday come to know him. And in John, we see the same eternal God who would make of us his sons and daughters and who saves us apart from works of the law. Grit and Grace is our story. It is the story of rescue from Mormon chains and redemption in Christ Jesus. Check the link in the show notes below. Now, this being the Ask Your Bishop podcast, I have a few questions that I hope the listeners will bring to their Mormon friends, and I hope that the Mormons who hear this podcast 
will bring it to their bishops. The first one is in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith said, God is eternal. In the King Fallot sermon, he said the opposite of the two statements, which is true and which is a lie. Question two. God is not the author of confusion. A comparison of the pictures of God presented in the Book of Mormon and as taught by Joseph Smith in the King Fallot sermon produce confusion because there is confusion in the contradictions between these two teachings. Can we know with certainty that they are not of God? Joseph Smith said, Great are the words of Isaiah. But Isaiah says, No gods will be formed after our God. Therefore, how will you ever become a god? Next question. If all gods began as a man, who created the man who became the first Mormon god? Next question. If you cannot keep every commandment as required in Doctrine and Covenants 25 verse 15, how will you ever be exalted? And our last question for this section is, Many thousands of Greek manuscripts unitedly defend the translation of John 1.1 as we have it in our Bibles today. So, my dear friends, what evidence can you present to validate the Joseph Smith translation for that same passage? <music>